Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. It was a privilege to be here. Uh, Bethlehem is a great place to visit during the Christmas season. Our grandson's mom texted us last night and wanted to know if we found Jesus. So uh, we're still looking for Jesus, but it's great to be here with you all today. uh, Let me just start with some preliminary remarks, and then we're going to go into our text, which is um, on the theme of pregnant. But um, First of all, let me just say how much one focus appreciates, loves, and honors uh, Jack and Trish. And it's a genuine thing. And sometimes um, prophets aren't acknowledged in their hometowns. But I know that's not true here at Bethlehem because I know you love and honor Jack. And after as he's coming in to this point of transition after 40 years of ministry, it, the feelings younger pastors should have should be overwhelming. That uh, you know, Jack has served faithfully uh, one church 40 years one wife, one calling, one faith, one baptism. (laughs) And so I googled the importance of the number 40 in the Bible, and uh, I had two, two, two different definitions. The first definition is it's a point of testing and trial, and I realized that Saul served 40 years and died, David served 40 years and died, Solomon served 40 years and died. So I stopped searching that trend because that doesn't give me anything to go on. How about when Jesus was led by the Spirit into 40 days and it came out in the power of the Spirit? And there's a better symbolism for you, Jack. You're coming out to come into a renewed power of the Spirit, and your and Trisha's gift will be honored around the world. Keep, keep healthy. Both of you keep healthy so you can fly or ride a bus, as we heard from the announcements, um, so that God can take your gift um, certainly around the world. I do want to honor the team. Uh, I'm not real good with names sometimes, but uh, I know that Ian and his dear wife, Celise, are going to be taking the the realm of the, the helm of the realm uh, later next year, and, and uh, you're God's man, Ian, for this. And what you've been given is makes older pastors weep because it's such a powerful place of community, and uh, you'll take it to the next level. And you're not going backwards; you're going upwards and forward, and and. Um, let me just say this about a, a new pastor. A new pastor needs a loving church. It often says, we often say that, you know, pastors shape churches. Can I, can I reverse that? Churches shape pastors too by their love and patience. And as he finds his way forward, uh, he will inevitably make mistakes like any pastor will. And a church that loves and says, He's growing. He's our pastor. We love him unconditionally. Um, really gives him the security to be all that God's 
called him to be. But I remiss to, to mention Bob and Tony for sure and Tom at the Keys and Denise who is, uh, runs everything <laughs> but doesn't get paid like it. Let's have an elders meeting right after service and rectify that, shall we? They're clapping, Jack. Yes. I'd like to share a message with you today out of the theme, Pregnant, a powerful Advent theme, fourth Sunday of Advent today. And today's message is entitled, Conceived by the Holy Ghost. And I like the word ghost in the title instead of spirit because it comes from the Apostles' Creed that says that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. And the upshot of today's message is going to be this. Just as the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and did a miracle in her, she could never have generated herself. So too God in this Advent wants to overshadow us and do miracles in us. Now some may argue I'm not a Mary. That's true. It was a unique pregnancy with Mary birthing the Son of God. However, God's character and his processes are identical. For any man or woman today that needs a miracle. Anybody here need a miracle? Can I see your need? I have needed miracles my whole life. My, today's not a testimony of my journey, but when I sang with you this morning, there in my lungs, you know, how, however that song goes, how does that go? The breath in my lungs, pour out my praise, pour out my praise, is not just an act of obedience, it's an authentic response to what God's done for me, Lord. I'm on borrowed time. Anybody here without Christ would be in jail today? Anybody without Christ be divorced today? Anybody without Christ be divorced and in jail today? Where would we be without the Lord? Jack, where would you be without the Lord? I don't want to know. Weren't you in a rock band? You were in a rock band. Ay, 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 ay. Conceived by the Holy Ghost. Prophetic word for us today is this. God wants to impregnate us by his word. If we'll receive it and do a miracle in us. I mean a legit miracle, not a pseudo miracle, like a pretend thing. I mean a real thing. I mean like, he spoke into darkness and made light, like there was a report that went from negative to positive. A prodigal has come home. Depression and fear really have left me, and peace and joy really are my experience. I'm talking about existential miracles, real deals, not claim it, name it and claim it miracles. I mean, which I'm not opposed to that, but where there's something... But there's a before and after, pregnancies of the Spirit, pregnancies in this church with new vision, new hope. I love what you're doing with the children's ministry, raising funds to renovate facilities and reinvigorate 
the ministry to the next generation. That's new faith and new power being released in NC4. And in the Bible, miraculous pregnancies are all over the Bible. And they're always pivots where the trajectory of nations change. The story of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Samson's mother, and Hannah, and Elizabeth, and Mary. God was up to something when the ill-suited, and the barren, and the unqualified get a miracle. You might be thinking today, I'm no Mary. She's like perfect. Mary was not perfect. Mary was humble, and Mary was a woman of faith, and God saw that supple heart and saw a vessel in which the Son of God could be born. A pregnancy speaks of new life, unspeakable joy. Rhonda and I have three children. The first child was a whoopsie-daisy. Have you ever heard of birth control called rhythm? Rhythm should have a synonym Pregnancy. <laughs> Seriously, second child, we tried that process again. Whoopsie. <laughs> so we had to try something new, more, more definite. Ian, that's for you. The whole little illustration is just for you. So the first child was a big surprise. We'd only been married three months. I called my mother and said, Mom, Rhonda's pregnant. And my mother says, she can't be. You're too young. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. It's, it's coming, Mom. And back in those days, you had to wait overnight for your pregnancy test. It wasn't like this thing, go to the girl's bathroom and come back and have a pretty good... It's like you had to mix the things and set it on the counter. You don't sleep well that night. And when you look at it, there's a little ring. Anybody, am I talking to anybody? There's a little ring. And that little ring said, you're going to have a baby. And I remember looking at it, and I said, Rhonda, we're going to have a She's 19. Rhonda, we're going to have a baby. And she screamed, and I screamed, and she jumped on my lap. And we were just completely dumbfounded. And I look at what this child has brought into our life is irreplaceable joy. You may have a whoopsie in your life, but that whoopsie over time could turn into your greatest blessing. And not just a whoopsie of a baby, I'm talking about a change that you never saw coming. God can use it. And I mean really use it. More than just to give you a testimony, but to do something powerful in your life. We had our missions convention in November. We bring our missionaries home from all around the world. We celebrate the whole week. We're privileged in our church to have an extensive missions force. We call them global workers. We bring them home every two years. This was the year we brought them all home. And we had a gala where they, we showed some film, and there's too many missionaries for them to all testify, so we just did this gala, and we had a, uh, a wonderful evening together. It was a banquet style. And our guest speaker was Rita. Rita is one of our missionaries. Rita and Margie went to Mongolia in their 50s. One's a 
physical therapist, one a uh, occupational physical therapist, the other is a medical doctor. Rita is a medical doctor. Wanted to be married, but never married. She likes guys, but somehow it never happened. So she goes in her early 50s to Mongolia and starts a church that over the course of a few years turned into 10 churches as the largest movement of churches in Mongolia, joined by Rita. They started an orphanage, the two, these two women did. There is no backstory to these two women working together. Everything's legit. And Rita ends up adopting three Mongolian children that were left as orphans, the last one literally left on the door of the orphanage. And Margie adopted two Mongolian children, each having separate households. They started a clinic, medical clinic. They had an orphanage, and they were overseeing an ever-expanding group of churches, truly apostolic, and, you know, and I know women in ministry, that's always been a, it's not as big a question as it used to be, but, you know, it's just like, how does this, you know, if you come from that camp, how does it, well, I don't know how it works, but they really were apostolic. And they launched this whole movement of churches. Five years ago, they said, we think our time in Mongolia has come to an end. So they moved to the most remote part of China to reach an unreached people group in China. Now they are in their 60s. Raising preteens. Rita gets kicked out of China. Margie was allowed to stay. They had both made, they had a teaching fellowship with the local university medical school, and they were, that's how they got into the country. And they did everything she, she could do, she did everything she could to get into the, back into the country. She couldn't get back in. So she ha, is moving back to Mongolia to expand this ministry. She's 66 years old. And as she's sharing her journey and her eyes filled with tears, as she shared it, and the compassion and the sense of mission and the overwhelming desire for an end-time fruitfulness. I'm sitting at the head table right here, the round table, closer to the platform than Jack is to me. And I was like a kid in high school at a campus crusade thing. My eyes were just glued to her as she was talking. I, I was at a Billy Graham crusade in 1976 right at the front row. I was a counselor. At that, and I remember just listening to the man. It, she could have been Billy Graham. She could have been Dietrich Bonhoeffer. She could have been whomever, T.D. Jakes. It was just Rita, one of our missionaries. She's sharing out of the word of God. I don't even remember the text. But as she was speaking... And my eyes were glued to her. I thought, she said, you know, I'm 66. And I'm just starting to live for Jesus. And this is my plans. These are my hopes. These are my dreams. And God could do it in you too. I was impregnated right there by a promise. By a word. Rather than, hey, as you go into your 60s, navigate your finances, find a nice landing for the plane of your life that has a nice long runway before you expire. I was impregnated by something, and, and I'm a feeler. 
you know, a lot of people work out of their brain. I work out of my heart. I preach out of my heart. I make decisions out of my heart. And I woke up the next morning saying, was what happened to me real? And for the next two days, I had this funny feeling. I was pregnant with something. There had been a shift. In the last few minutes I have here today, I prayed to God, there's a shift in you. This Advent season, what a beautiful thing, pregnant, that God would put something inside you that's alive and real and going to change the trajectory of your life and will affect nations. If you are open to that, would you say amen out loud with me? Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, conceived by the Holy Ghost. We're going to walk line through line. And when we're done walking line through line, we're going to be done today. Conceived by the Holy Ghost. You are qualified today for a miracle. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Twice, the word virgin is used, will be used again in just a moment, to thoroughly emphasize that this woman had no possible way to become pregnant at this moment. She was a virgin. She had not known a husband like that, and therefore the Bible is emphasizing this is going to be miraculous, and it uses this name, Mary. Now, Mary is not to be worshipped, but Mary is to be admired. She is not the co-redemptrix of our faith, but Mary is not to be also just put in the bin of past history. Mary is a model for us, not a perfect woman, but a model of humility. We're going to see in a moment when she gives us overwhelming promise, she's going to say, let it be done to me. Just, It's a passive act of faith to say, I don't know how this is going to work, but let it be done to me. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 28, the angel of the Lord says her, greetings, O favored one, O favored one. Somebody might be arguing mentally today, Dan, be careful of drawing a, a, a direct linkage from Mary get a miracle and me getting a miracle. And I, as, you, as you probably get it, I'm trying to make the linkage. And when the angel of the Lord said to Mary, you are highly favored of God. That is the exact same phrase the Apostle Paul used in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, about us in Christ. The exact same Greek phrase. We are highly favored of God. So when somebody says, I ain't no Mary, I'm not a Mary, but I am a Dan, and I'm highly favored of God. And the angel said to her, verse 30, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. Luke uses this phrase over and over and over and over again. And only one time in, in Luke's use of the word do not, the phrase do not be afraid, is it not in the imperative? 
The imperative, of course, would mean it's the verb of command. So the angel is, is it's almost on the edge of rebuke. It's, right, it's not rebuking, but, it, but it's like straighten up. Don't be afraid. I've, I've got this. I'm with you. I, 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 I'm here for you. Do whatever you can to get that fear. This is a command. Like, Lord, don't make me afraid. He's, it's more than that. He's saying, he's saying uh, my soul, take, take command of your soul and, and do whatever you can do. Mary. Don't be afraid in this moment, for there's nothing to be afraid of. And the Lord says to you and me today, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Hear me. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Is anybody today facing a medical diagnosis that could cause fear? Do not be afraid, for you found the favor of God. Or a spouse that's hinting that he or she is ready to leave the marriage. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And whether it's political or COVID or personal or international, the Lord says to you and me today, do not be afraid. You have found favor. Hey, friends, if you have found favor with God, I think it's in the bag. I was diagnosed with cancer. I've shared this from this pulpit in 2004. Very aggressive cancer. I had surgery. Seven years later, the doctors say that the cancer came back which is a very rare occurrence in my case. So rare, the head oncologist at Duke, where I do my doctoring, Duke University Hospital, said he had never seen it before. So they did radiation, and I had a, a radiation specialist. Dr. V was his name, and I had 33 treatments. Then they waited to see if my cancer markers reduced. They did not. And when, the, when, the, when I got the phone call from the doctor, and she said to me, Dan, we've got the results from your test. I'm at home in Virginia, and she said, your cancer markers are very, very high. We're going to need to put you on some mitigating treatments. I had a buzz in my ear. I just started to buzz. And it's like everything around me is wah, 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 wah. And everybody's kind of going in slow motion. This was a family dinner when I got the phone call. And because my, I was emotionally shutting down. It's like a woman who's tried in vitro five or six times, maybe two or three times, and, and she just can't get pregnant. And the doctor says, there's nothing more we can do. It's that kind of thing. Like the, the, the fear and the grief can just overwhelming. And it's at a moment like that, it's at a moment like that's when the angel, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, or God speaks directly to you. He says, don't be afraid, I got this. Don't be afraid, I've got this. You have found favor with me. You say, I don't deserve favor. The root of the word favor is the word grace. But in Christ, I have found favor. I'm not good enough. Not good enough to find favor. Here's the thing, friends. You're never good enough for grace. Get off the treadmill. Oh, we Pentecostals, we're always on this stupid treadmill. Fast, pray, got to be good, got to be good. And if I lose my temper, I lose my cool, 
or I do something wrong, somehow I start back at the back of the line for miracles. And I finally move forward over time. I tithe. I give to the campaign. I'm never mad. I don't kick the dog. I let the guy cut in. After I've been waiting in the turning lane for like three cycles of the light. No, you need a good dose of, you need a good dose of grace today. That you're, God's impregnating you, not because you're so good. Newsflash, you're not that good. <laughs> Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. The Apostle Paul said, I'm like the first illustration of grace. I persecuted the church, and yet God, in his rich mercy, God, in his rich mercy, says to you today, you are highly favored of God. Verse 32, talking about, oh, let me, uh, let me, I guess let me finish that. Behold, you shall conceive in your womb, verse 31, and bear a son, and his name is Jesus. The one who delivers, and again, Mary's pregnancy and birth is unique. The son of God became the son of man. It's not an act of subtraction, but addition. The son of God took on bodily form the incarnation, the enfleshment of the second person that God had coming. By the way, can I say something about the incarnation? You know, Jack's really good at teaching. The incarnation is the greatest miracle of the Bible. Skeptics don't have trouble with the resurrection because if Jesus was really God, the resurrection is plausible. And you, don't have to, you don't have to agree with it, but it is plausible if he's God. Where all skeptics... Have, have had a hard time in history, is saying God became a person. God entered into humanity as a full man, not like a pretend man, a real man, a real guy. That, that is incomprehensible, and we're the only religion that dares say that our God loves us so much. Our God loves us so much. He came and joined the fight. He doesn't stand on the outside of my world and, and judge me. He doesn't stand outside of my world and say, you don't measure up. He doesn't stand outside of my world and shake his finger. He says, I'm so committed to you, I'm coming right on in, baby. I'm going to be numbered among the transgressors. I'm coming in right alongside you. Emmanuel, God is now going to be with us. If you're grateful for that, say amen, please. Verse 32, and he shall be great. And he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, verse 33. And of his kingdom, praise God, there shall be no end. And, the, and Mary said to the angel, how shall this be since I am a virgin? She's saying, how shall this be? I am utterly ill-suited and disqualified for this miracle. I think this is a good way to approach any miracle from God, saying, God, I don't deserve it. I really don't deserve it, but I ask you for it. When Hezekiah was told by the prophet Isaiah that he was going to die, prepare your home, the Bible says as Isaiah is walking out from the king's chamber, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he cried out to God. And God stopped the prophet 
and said, go back and tell Hezekiah his 15 years because I heard his prayers and I saw his tears. I saw his tears. I saw his tears. When you don't know what to pray, it's always okay to cry. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, I can never deserve this. And I have made mistakes. But would you just see the humility of my heart? God, all, here, here, I've said this before. When in doubt on what to do, just humble yourselves. When in doubt in a marriage, humble yourself. When in doubt with God, humble yourself. When in doubt on what to do with your life, it's always good to humble yourself. Mary says, how can this be? I am a virgin. And verse 35, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. We sang that just a moment ago. It's a phrase in the Magnificat, but it's a phrase here from the angel, the Son of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. This phrase, come upon you, is the exact phraseology Luke uses in Acts. When the Holy Spirit comes on people when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Exact same phrase. Why does Luke, when he's talking about Mary and the Holy Spirit coming on Mary and she got her miracle, why does he use that same phrase repeatedly in the book of Acts with ordinary people? The same phrase. What's he trying to communicate? What the Holy Spirit did for her in a sense he is capable of doing on you. It's of the same it's of the same category, different, different order, but of the same category of miracle. Where there was nothing in darkness, he speaks and there's no light. Where there is no hope, he speaks and there's hope. The Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Isn't that a, the word overshadow? The Septuagint is used... When, uh, when the Holy Spirit uh, overshadowed the, the dedication of the temple. Holy Spirit overshadowed. The New Testament's used on the Mount of Transfiguration when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mount Tabor and, and God spoke. It's the same idea. The Holy Spirit's overshadowing us. His Shekinah glory is overshadowing us today. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to overshadow you. And the word overshadow, the, the etymology of the word is, is, is to block out the sun. He wants to block out the heat. He wants to block out the, the dryness. He wants to block out those things that are, are causing drought in your life. And he wants new life to come and relief to come. The Prince of Peace wants to come. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was barren. Let me pause right there. Here's Mary. She's too young for a miracle. Here's Elizabeth, too old for a miracle. Pick your poison. <laughs> you got to be in one of the categories. And the Lord says, hey, this, this is a season of miracles. The birth narrative has all kinds of visitation. There's angels, there's songs, and there's pregnancies. In this Advent, the Lord wants a new song. He wants to visit us. He wants something really real inside us to be caught on fire. New life in us again. In the hearing of the word that faith would come 
and change would be experienced. In her old age, she shall conceive a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Oh, I could preach on Elizabeth, a beautiful sermon about how God took the shame of her barrenness in her latter years. Mary got a miracle that was completely creative. There was no man involved. Elizabeth had a providential miracle. There was a man involved. Both were miracles. One had the agency of man. One had no agency of man, but they're both miracles. You will find God does miracles in your way, in your life, both ways. One way, while you're working at something, he brings something powerful and miraculous to it. Another, he just comes out of the blue. And my doctoring, I, most of my miracles have been providential. Now that is, they assign me a medicine and it really, really works good. It works so good, they say the medicine has never worked better on anybody. Is that fair to call that a miracle? That's, that's an Elizabeth miracle. I'm doing what I, you follow me here in metaphor, I'm doing what I can do. There shouldn't be any life produced here, but God does allow life to come. I'm doing the medicine thing, and God breathes on it and causes life to come in that that would not normally be there. And then there's the creative miracle where the doctor says, I don't know how this happened, but your cancer markers have just gone down. I guess God just touched you. I'll say to the Lord today, Lord, just touch me or use me, but I need new life conceived in me this Advent. If you're with me, say amen to that. Verse 37 says, for nothing, 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 nothing will be impossible with God. The word nothing is the word rhema. It's not the word nothing in the Greek, it's the word rhema. No word. God speaks to you, does not have inherently in the word itself the power for its own fulfillment. So when God's word comes to you, you don't say, I got to work it up. I better believe it. I got to watch every word that I ever confess or I won't get the miracle. This says, are you kidding me? When God speaks the word to you, that word has the power in itself for its own fulfillment. So what have you got to do? Just receive it, baby. Receive it. I can't make it happen. I remember when the doctor told me some time ago, it's been a few years now, Dan, the medicine is starting not to work. We have end-of-life treatments for you. I didn't sleep well. I'm up in the night thinking, you know, I don't want to leave a widow. Any, any husbands, you know what I would be feeling? No, you want to leave your wife, you know, I got, first I got a wife, and I have grandchildren and children, and I have a church. Lord, I don't know if I can transition all this so fast. Finally, I went on a retreat to fast and pray, went to the Outer Banks. It's a beautiful place, middle of the winter, and I fasted and prayed. It was a miserable time. Fasting and praying at the same time, it's miserable. <laughs> you know, you're there like, you look at your watch, it's been 45 minutes and going, <laughs> I'm going to do three days of this. 
Hope they've got cable television because I'm going nuts. But see, because my, my frame of my motive was, see, I, I thought if I fasted and prayed, God could give me a word or God could take away my fear or I could have some kind of a thing happen. Nothing happened. Not a doggone thing. Other than I was hungry and had a headache. and <laughs> I'm serious. And I must have fell asleep in 15 times praying at the beach like... Oh, God, I just seek your face. Your face I seek. I'll be right back. <laughs> and I went home and I was frustrated, and this is what I did. Either God's word to me that he, and I won't tell you the story of how he gave me a word. Either God's word for me is powerful in itself, or it's not. And if I got to work up 100-watt faith to get what he already promised me, I cannot do it. So I laid my head on my pillow, and I said, Lord, I'm sleeping tonight. I've done my part. I've received and believed your word, but I can't make it happen, for I'm but a virgin, or I am barren. Lord, it's up to you, baby. And I think some of the greatest... I didn't call God baby. Just a moment, folks. Lord, I really didn't mean that. I take that all back. Jack, Jack Grebelewski made me do it. He really did. He's rolling his eyes at me, even as I speak right now. Verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Oh, this Advent season is such a powerful thing. To allow God to do something in our hearts we don't earn. We don't go on a pilgrimage. We don't climb a mountain. There's been a cross already. And somebody's already paid the price. And we have a God who does not lie. It's impossible for him to lie. And we say to God, God, I cannot make this conception happen. But let it be done. Let it be done to me. Let my life be for your glory. I passively surrender to the power of a miracle. James 1 says, We receive with meekness the implanted word. I'm not strutting my stuff that I believe in God. I'm just walking down the street smiling and whistling knowing it's all in God's hands. I'm not just talking about health. I'm talking about your eternal salvation. I'm talking about God forgiving your sins. I'm talking about God, as far as the east is from the west, remembering your transgressions no more. I'm, I'm talking about all the promises of the Bible. Yes and amen in Christ. So as I close this out today, three sentences I'll leave you. Conceived by the Holy Ghost is the theme. The concept is that God's Spirit really, truly, honestly wants to do something new in you. You could be 65, 75. He wants to give you new hope, new vision, new life. 25, the same thing. Single people preoccupied with marriage. Married people preoccupied with children. 
the older people preoccupied with financial security. God says, let me do something new. Let me shake up things a bit in you. Here's the key thoughts. Jesus has entered into your world in all of your brokenness and your uncertainty and your suffering. God is in your world. Even though you don't see him, he's there. You may say, Dan, is he there philosophically? No. I don't mean that at all. I mean by the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ is with you. And he will never leave you. I mean, Dan, even when I am in great pain, is he there? He's there. Even when I don't know what I'm doing, is he there? He's there. Even when I'm suffering, is he really there? I don't feel him. He's there. Jesus has entered your world through the incarnation. Number two, you are highly favored by God's grace. You're highly favored. God chose Mary, a poor and seemingly unimportant faithful Jewish girl. And she carried the blessing and the presence of the Messiah. God, too, chooses you and I because of his grace. Think of it this way. If there was a classroom of 100 students, and you're not the smartest in the class, you're kind of one of the not-so-smarts, and you're sitting in the back of the room, and Jesus walks into the room, and he says, I want you and he picks you out, the spirit of election. And you might say, what about everybody else? Well, thousands can fall at your right hand, 10,000 at your left hand. And if it's not coming now, it's not your business to judge them. It's not your, it's, that's between them and God. You're the one he picks. He picks you today. Can you believe that? Really, I mean it. He picks you for a miracle. Why doesn't he pick, you know, I'm not like the pastor's wives or I'm not like the pastors. Well, God's God. He picks you. He picked Mary. I like that about God. Don't you? God picks the least qualified and the most ill-suited. And oh, I'm in that category. And the final point today is you can be pregnant with a miracle too. Today, a miracle, first-class miracle. The pathway of redemptive entry is the same for us all. We hear a word, we receive the word, and in God's time, he delivers something beautiful. We don't dictate the length of the pregnancy. We just say, let it be done to me. Do something new in me, and I put it into your hands, God, to deliver it as you would deliver it. Would you bow your heads with me today? Pastor Jack, would you join me on the platform, please? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray for every man and woman and young person, older person in this room. And only you can see a heart, Lord, that might feel barren, might feel ill-suited and feel disqualified for a miracle. And I thank you that this Advent season, in this theme, pregnant, this is their year for God to do something in them 
That's totally impossible. If you're open to a miracle today, would you lift your hand with mine? Just lift it up. Keep your head bowed. Lord, I pray for every hand that is lifted. These hands represent today that we're, we're available, God. You say your word to us. You give us the promise. You show us what is your plan. And we'll simply say, let it be to me. And then your spirit will conceive in us a miracle. And we promise to give you the praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.